NBNR podcast, episode 13, take two, because Mike pulled in Nebraska and he fumbled the audio. I did not fumble the audio. <laughs> it was the computer. Uh, it was the computer or the mic, one of the two. All right, Mike, tell us about Javi's Tacos. Yeah, so as you all know, Javi's Tacos is our sponsor. This week, I just want to let you guys know that on May 2nd, they have a car show at their Lakeside Plaza location. It'll be Bounce House, Inflatables for the Kids, Amazing Music by Inface Car Audio. Go give it a try. There's going to be a world-known food challenge eater, Randy Santel, that's going to go and eat some giant burrito. So um, if you haven't had an opportunity to go to Javi's, go give it a try. Some guy's going to eat a giant burrito. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. Let's, I guess we can go watch. Okay. Um, so just so our listeners know, we did record an episode last week. Uh, and we were just pretty much talking about the spring game coming up. And since some wonky things happened with the audio, we just kind of decided to touch on the spring game again. We're going to go probably position by position, kind of just give our expectations for the spring game, our thoughts on that as a whole. Um, we did talk about baseball last week, and I think it's even more prevalent that we do that this week. So we'll stick with baseball near the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's let's go with the spring game, guys. Um, this Saturday, 1 o'clock, right? You guys going? Absolutely. No. We are – I will be sitting my tushy in Memorial Stadium in seats that I could never get in a real game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get my, my butt into the stadium, see some real football. And uh, I, I elaborated on this in our first take at this, but we had talked about how you guys maybe aren't as excited for a freaking practice like I am. Right. And I just wanted to reiterate, I have season tickets for football and basketball. And the year 2020 stripped me of my opportunities to go down to Lincoln and just go see live events and, and dedicate the time that I usually do to see this program play sports. So I am just excited for an opportunity to get into the stadium, see whatever quality of football that's going to be on the field and uh, hopefully not drink any Kool-Aid, but we'll, we'll just, we'll just go check it out and see. <laughs> Mike's got a fever. Something like that. Is a spring game. <laughs> Eric, you are probably like me in that the spring game is, like Mike said, a glorified practice, probably going to be pretty vanilla, you know, which is expected. But give your give us your thoughts on the spring game. My issue with spring games as a whole is this, not just Nebraska's. My issue is this. So you're playing against your same talent level, like, or respectively, the same coaching schemes. You're not going like full bore. There's just, there isn't a lot to take away from spring games because you don't know how it'll translate to other teams. But I understand Mike's thinking of like, you know, he goes down into his happy place and I hope he has a great time because I'm sure it will be fun <laughs> to be back down there. Just, I, I don't think spring games should have as much taken out of them as they normally do so right I, I still might go I don't know uh I just picture the quarterbacks with the green jerseys and you can't even 
flick them on the helmet or else it's just like, eh, okay. It's, it's football. It's, it's great. It's Nebraska. That's all we have. 2020 sucked, you know, so I might still go, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not as happy ass about it as Mike is. That's all. That's all. Hey, hey, you know, I, I just, I get juice for, for any t- type of sporting event, but <laughs> can't flip kibbies on the head in a real game anymore either. So it doesn't make a difference, but, but Adrian will still flip on his own head. <laughs> I know. Well, and the, the one weird thing that I, the, about the spring game is when those quarterbacks are wearing those stupid green jerseys. I love how like Adrian can still rush for a touchdown though. It's like, Wow, look at him run past those guys in two-hand touch football and, and flip into the end zone or do something stupid. So. Dude, he looked, dude, he looks so swift and agile out there. <laughs> oh my god. All so right. Well right. speak speaking of, maybe let's just talk on the quarterbacks a little bit. No QB1 is Adrian. No shit. But let's talk about the other guys. We got Logan Smothers, and like we mentioned last week. There was some hype behind Double H, Heinrich Harburg. Yeah. Big big guy with a strong arm. Uh, he looked self-assured out there in that open practice that they had a few weeks ago. It, that was like the talk of the quarterback room was Harburg might be overtaking Smothers. Is that just spring talk because we're kind of bored? Or is there uh, something to Harburg taking over Smothers number two? I honestly don't think it's just spring talk. I think the the kid is like uber talented and Smothers has always had this problem that they, they always bring up that he needs to work on his stroke is what uh, coach Verdusco always says that he needs to work on his stroke. And then they right. keep slipping in these little nuggets about Heinrich. They're like, yeah, we don't have to adjust anything of his throwing motion. It, you know, he get the ball flies out of his hand, you know? So to me, it's like, Okay, this actually might be a real thing because minus Ohio State, Logan Smothers didn't really have a lot of schools after him. And, of course, Nebraska was the first to offer him, the first big school to offer him. And, honestly, the quarterback situation we had last season, don't you think that Smothers would have reared his head a little bit if if given the opportunity? Because yeah. it was an absolute mess. And the fact that we didn't see him at all or hear anything about Logan Smothers last season, that that makes me a little hesitant on the guy. He was straight. He was a ghost last year. And, like, I had friends besides you guys saying, put Smothers in, put Smothers in. And I'm like, hey, maybe he's not going in because he's probably not that – he's not as good as you think, maybe. Maybe he can't throw the ball. Maybe he's not a natural passer. Uh, like like, Luke McCaffrey, who wasn't a, he's an athlete. Maybe Logan is also an athlete and he ran track in high school. Maybe he's just an athlete that they're trying to turn into a quarterback like they did with Luke. And we saw how that went. It was a kind of a swing and a miss, but I don't know. I I I hope that Heinrich is actually a quarterback that is athletic versus an athlete. They're trying to turn into a quarterback. I mean, that's been Nebraska's recent history, right? Is turning pretty fast guys into quarterbacks who don't have great throwing arms and aren't that accurate. And they turn the ball over a lot. That's kind of been the past, you know, you had Taylor and, you know, Tommy was fine, but I wouldn't classify him as a, an elite quarterback. 
And then, you know, Adrian. I would take Tommy over Adrian right now. And that, that'd be kind of a fun debate. Would you take Tommy Armstrong with this team, this roster? Would you take Tommy Armstrong, senior Tommy Armstrong versus senior Adrian Martinez? The thing about Tommy is like he didn't run the ball as often as Adrian. And so, like, I would have to dive into the numbers or whatever. I, I'm very curious to know what the turnover difference is between the two. Well, Adrian has 47 turnovers in less. A lot. Yeah. I mean, 47 <laughs> turnovers. So just remember that. <laughs> so just based off of that, just that base level. Yeah. I would probably take Tommy. I want a, a guy who doesn't turn the ball over. So like, that's well, my main thing. Another thing I liked about Tommy too, was the guy was just a fighter. Like he played through so many injuries and I'm not saying Adrian doesn't play through injuries. I think he's a pretty tough kid, but right. like, Tommy just it seemed like he always just get right back up and I know Riker had to play a little bit in in our in the time with that Tommy was here but Tommy took a beating especially with that O-line it was not very good and he made that offense look a lot better than it probably actually was where I don't know if Adrian makes the offense look better than it actually is because it hasn't been good (laughs) he had four touchdown passes last year four 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 Uh, like there's there's been a lot of talk too about how there hasn't been too many weapons around Adrian and that's contributed to his lack of great play and the running game's been inconsistent and the snaps haven't reached him. They go over his head. That is which, legit. So like there's a lot. I don't want to just, you know, I don't want this to be an Adrian bashing or anything because there, no. there are other factors around him that if these things improve, if Jurgens can snap the ball to him in the chest area, that figures to improve Adrian's play. So, you know, Eric, I know I saw you kind of itching to say something about the QBs. As I sit here and think about it, I think I would go with senior year Tommy for one reason his deep ball is way more accurate than Adrian's ever was or is. And in Frost's offense, I mean, sure, he had, you know, screens and outside runs or whatever, but you, you need the, the, the deep ball to open it up a little bit. And and we haven't had that for like three years. And I think Tommy would – I think he'd do okay in Frost's offense. And now going into the QBs, I think the Heinrich stuff is legit because – he and Frost know each other well. They go back to when Heinrich's like seven years old or something like that. I think that's the story or whatever. Yeah. I think Heinrich is – he's going to be the guy after Adrian. And I, I don't think there's a debate. I think he's the guy after Adrian. And we added a walk-on here like, what, three days ago? Yeah, we added a walk-on. Yeah, from Alabama too. Yeah. So another kid from Alabama that they're bringing in. Not rated on by rivals, I don't believe. And he was committed to Kansas, so you know he's got, as a walk on, yeah, to Kansas. So, so he's got some sort of talent, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Matt Masker is not a. Uh, what is he? He's What's on he? the roster, but I consider Matt Masker more of like a coach on the sideline. He's calling all the plays with all their goofy hand signals and holding right, up right. pictures of stuff. So I think Matt has a role on this team, but I don't think it's going to be taking snaps under center for the University of Nebraska. God help us all if it is. <laughs> I think Heinrich will get in the ball game before Matt Masker. Hey, speaking of deep ball threats, deep threats. Let's talk about 
the wide receiver room, shall we? <laughs> Omar! He's back, Omar baby. Did you not see that show that booby Omar Manning put on for the fans of that open practice? Oh, man. He had the, he had the fans going, wow! Just going <laughs> nuts! Uh, so we got Omar, expectations high. Let's make it on the field first. Samari Torre, another guy Quite getting okay. a lot of hype. Yeah, he's got a lot of hype. Yeah, I mean, and we're not just talking about that one open practice. You know, we're talking about, like, his overall demeanor. He is supposedly taking a leadership role. He is saying he had an in- interesting comment about the team. I think, and I'm this isn't verbatim, uh, but he said something like, gosh, you know, when I arrived here, I was looking at the – the kind of athletes that we have and the kind of players that we have. And I was surprised that they were struggling so much. So <laughs> I, I thought that was an interesting thing he said. Well, that's, but I think that goes back to the, the FCS level and the FCS level is not the same type of talent. So what he's seeing in this locker room is probably the best talent he's ever been around. True. Um, and we'll go into that a little bit more later when we talk about Kalarvik, but yeah, I just I find that interesting because there's been two comments from two different guys from the FCS level that really kind of it just it's kind of head scratching to me. Well, they, they make comments that I think mean well, they're good intention, but then you kind of think about it a little bit more, and it's like, is he is he, is he either he's like <laughs> low key dissing on him, or he just doesn't really know what he's saying. I don't know. Well, let's put it this way: if he's making RDBs look bad, minus mm-hmm. CTB. Which CTB said that he's going at him every day in practice and trying to make him better, and he's he he hits him a little harder than all the rest of the receivers. So maybe that's a good thing. But if he's showing up our our DBs, that might have to say something a little bit too. <laughs> uh, other guys in the room include Xavier Betts. I'm all about him. I'm about hey, I mean he's look uh, from what we've seen, which isn't too much this off season. He looks fast. He looks pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, he oh. glides. We saw that when he – his first – what was his first touch as a Husker? He freaking took it to the house on that and end so, around. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the kids got wheels. The, the, his problem coming out of high school was he just didn't have the ac- academics get into school. And luckily, COVID's the, COVID was probably the only thing that got him here. So, although COVID's taken a lot of stuff away, they did reward us with Xavier Betts because he wasn't going to get in here academically. So, I am – all about Xavier being here, and I hope he contributes a lot. And there may have been some other under the table stuff that got Xavier bets here, but we will Whoa. never know. So, Whoa. hey, that goes back to, in my opinion, Scott Frost recruits this area very well. And just because a couple guys this year who have no desire to stay in the state of Nebraska are walking away, I, this comes back to Scott Frost and his staff are recruiting this area very well. Overall, it's 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 fine. It's fine. And we can go to a couple of guys that are local kids too when we hit the defense. So yeah, okay. But how can we forget about our sub four four forty inch vertical guy, Oliver? Oliver? Yeah, baby. Oliver the goal. Okay, but Oliver, honestly, he <laughs> okay. he wasn't a scrub coming out of high school. He was a like a top one hundred and fifty player out of high school, committed yeah. to the University of Michigan. Actually played a little bit with Michigan. Um, I don't know. And then he went to Iowa. I mean, he's he's been to a couple different places, 
but it's not like he didn't have the talent coming out of high school. So I'm, I'm not going to sip the Kool-Aid on Mr. Oliver, but that does make me a little excited that we have a kid that is fast and, and is, is learning the offense. He says he can play faster now, now that he knows the plays. Uh, he doesn't have to think about what he's supposed to be doing. But, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited about Oliver. What do you guys think about Oliver? I'll give the, the receiver room as a whole this. It's got a lot of, like, good, like, name guys. And it's got a lot of potential. But the, the truth is we don't really know, like, what the room holds or these guys can do over a full season because none of them have done it over a full season. But – I just, I guess I don't understand the whole thinking from some fans about, you know, the receiver room will, will be strong. It'll be the strongest unit on the team. Do we really know that? I mean, sure, it's got, it's got some good talent in it, but they haven't played a game yet. I, I think it's, it's the biggest unknown, but it's also got the most potential. So yeah, it could be boom or bust. Yeah, I think it's got the highest ceiling of any position group in my opinion. And that, that includes even on the defensive side of the ball where we have all these guys coming back. I think with the guys we have in that room, this is the biggest receiving group we've ever had, which I think helps a quarterback who has sometimes lacked accuracy in throwing the ball down the field. So this should help him immensely when your, your catch radius doubles. I mean, you're not throwing to a short Wandale anymore. You're throwing to a guy that's six foot four, Omar Manning. Or a guy that's six foot one and Samari Torre. I mean, I think these guys are big receivers. They're quick and, and they're physical, like hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and, like- yeah, best is six three. Two of our slot guys that I think uh, are gonna have decent seasons, Will Nixon and Alante Brown. Okay. I think both those kids will fill right into that Wandale role. I don't think they'll yeah. see the amount of targets because they are not Wandale, but I think they'll fit nicely. Samara is going to start in that slot role, but I think we're going to have a place for those small, quick guys as well, um, rotating them into the backfield, doing all that jet sweep action and stuff like that. I don't foresee us, and I pray to God that we don't have them running between the tackles uh, like we did with Wandale. I hope that gets cured up, and we can talk about those guys next. <laughs> I'd agree with you guys. It has the biggest healing of any group, but it also – is a high on the known, and I don't think that we should just assume it's going to be good. No, that's why I said at the beginning, I said, hey, Omar, let's make sure we get on the field first before we make too much of this. Let's actually let's actually play more than – how many snaps did he play in that first game? It was like less than five. I yeah, know. I think he played like three or four snaps all season. The guy has to – your best ability is availability, and I will say that until I am – 10 feet underground. If you oh, are yeah. not available to play, I don't care how good you are. Um, so I'm trying to find a way to seg- segue this into both running backs and tight ends. You're talking about the best ability is availability, right? Yeah. Well, in the running back room, Marquis Stepp suffered from a, a uh, phantom injury that appeared out of nowhere that he never knew he had. And, Scott never knew he had. So there goes RB1 for the spring. So that's either not a big deal or it's a over, not, I don't say overlooked, but it's not a good look when you have a transfer coming in and he misses his first spring due to an injury that 
supposedly he never knew he had. I just think it's just like you talk about a curse over the program. It's like that's not exactly helping matters. Just add right? to it. Just add to it. So you look at the room. The room is thin as a mug right now. Yeah, and guess who is showing out? And in the running back room right now, the mm-hmm. guy who is standing up and showing out is number zero, which is kind of cool. Jacquez Yant. Yeah, that, that kid has just been – he's been showing out, beating up on our defense a little bit, which is – I don't know what you guys think about that. I think he was like a three, three-star kid coming out, honestly. So I don't think this surprises a lot of people. But then again – you shouldn't have your walk-ons outperforming your scholarship guys. We've talked yeah. about it in, in past episodes that even with a health running back room, it's going to need someone to step up because there wasn't a lot of returning experience. If he hand is the guy and steps in and starts taking carries, good for him. Well, and, and Yant, he was a three-star kid coming out, and the only reason he came here is because he went to the same high school as Travis Fisher. And Travis Fisher is really close with his family. Kind of the same scenario where academics wasn't really his strong suit. But he came here. He's been putting his head down and in the books, I guess. And uh, now he is maybe fighting for some playing time, which is honestly, it's a good story. I I hope a walk-on can take that job because obviously no running back last year. And now we're seeing now with just the, the lack of depth and health right now of our running backs, someone's got to take the job. And if a walk-on does it, more power to them. Yeah, I love a rags-to-riches story just as much as the next guy. But like you kind of touched on, it just raises a red flag for me if, it, if it's a walk-on doing it. It's like, whether it's due to injury or not, it's just kind of disappointing that, you know, my pick, Marvin Scott, the third. Yeah, where's he at? MIA. Marvin. Starving Marvin, where are you at? He's hey, it's still – hey, <laughs> he's starving for carries. Yeah. He, listen, it's still early, man. Give Marvin a chance. Hey, I will, we'll revisit this conversation uh, once fall camp comes out. But cool. it's one of those things that it's interesting, we'll say. It's, it's very odd. One guy I'm kind of surprised that, that we haven't heard a lot about is uh, C.B. Morrison. Is he still hurt? Does yeah, anybody he's, know? he's hurt. Okay. Yeah. Another guy, just best abilities availability. And uh, he hasn't been available. So he's, you know, but he was like the best running back in the state of Oklahoma. And he comes here to Nebraska and hasn't seen the field yet because he wasn't healthy last season and he hasn't healthy in the spring, but we'll see where fall camp brings us. All right. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, I was going to segue into both running backs and tight ends. Uh, We have an injury alert. What's happening? Fedoni, what's wrong? What? Thomas what Fidoni. is it now? What? What's wrong now? Well, um, come on, Nebraska. What? So they haven't announced it yet, but the rumor is Thomas Fedoni yeah. tore his ACL, and obviously that means he will not be available for this season. Now, on it, I don't think that's a big deal. Like I, you guys can get your take on it. I don't think that's a big deal because of the depth we have at that position. Right. If you're like, going to tear an ACL, happen, you might as well do it now. Yeah, if, if it could have happened anywhere, I'm glad it happened at that position. <laughs> if it would have happened at freaking running back or quarterback, I'd be sweating fucking bullets. But the fact that it happened at the tight end position where we have Travis Vokalek and we have Austin Allen, and th- those two guys have full Big Ten frames, 
They can catch the ball. They're big targets, and they can actually block. I'm not sweating about the Fedoni thing. It sucks for that kid because he was the number one tight end recruit coming out of high school at Lewis Central here in Council Bluffs over across the river. So it sucks for anybody to to lose a season like that. But honestly, he's going to come back better than ever, and it'll give him more time to actually learn the playbook, sit there, study film, and learn from those guys and not be putting pressure on them and taking snaps away from them. So. Should should we be worried about uh, th- this is probably a cop out. I'll say it anyway. Is this is it time to start worrying about Zach Duwall and his training? Because no one can seem to stay healthy like ever. Well, I don't think it's it's not. I don't think it has anything to do with the weight room. It, it's our like our training staff's a little different than the weight, the weight training program. Here's my opinion. I don't think half the things are actual real injuries. I think they just don't want to practice. I think some of the guys don't want to be there or don't want to practice and they know it's spring so they can get away with a little bit more. But then like a Fedoni, like a, I, I imagine it had to be a freak accident, you know, in practice going hard, trying to show off being a freshman and he probably just turned the wrong way. So these things happen. Like you can't like blame a training staff for an ACL injury. Like I, I just, I don't see that happening. Is the bear an ACL injury that that isn't a freak accident? I yeah. Mean- they they all are kind of just like, yeah, I faked an ACL once. You what? You you faked I an ACL? I, I, yeah, I faked an ACL tear once. How does Dude, that no, happen? I'm joking. You can't fake that. No. No, I'm not saying like Fedoni's not faking <laughs> anything. But I'm saying like these I running backs know. that aren't playing or practicing and stuff like that. Like, why? Why are you not I practicing? Mean, you got a strained labia? Come on. Well, hey, I'll I'll admit that that's um I haven't really heard that take before, really. Like I I'm not saying I disagree with it. But then it makes you look at the coaching staff and maybe is it the way they're practicing that maybe is, I don't know, we can't see the practices. So I don't want to say it's an indictment on the coaching staff or Duvall because, quite frankly, if you look at Duvall and you look at both of the offensive line and the defensive line, we touched on this last week, I don't think you can discount the gains that they've made on those lines because they look the part, at least. Yeah. I mean, they're – there was one game against Illinois last year where I, I guess Minnesota too, where they kind of got outmatched. But I think since Riley's tenure, both the offensive line and defensive lines have made great progress. And I think Duval's work is a big part of that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I am a hundred thousand billion percent pro Zach Duvall and his weight program. We are seeing our players take big strides in that department. They are starting to look like actual Big Ten players, where I don't know if they they look like that under the Riley staff. I mean, don't get me wrong, though. Brandon Riley did say he was the strongest he ever was under the Mike Riley staff. So, right. I don't know. But all I know is the guys look the part now. I, we, we can't say that, like, I think Scott Frost's first year when we played against Iowa and Wisconsin, I mean, we were just getting pummeled on that. And that could roll us right into our next part. What do you guys think about the offensive line? Going to be the strongest on the team, and I don't think that there's a close second. This is the best, most talented line Nebraska's had in a very long time. And you factor it in with all the returning experience. Jerkins, his snaps aside, is still a great blocker. Piper played almost all of last year. Corcoran's just a freak athlete. Ben Hart like threw guys around and played every game. And, and even at the other position, uh, Right tackle, Sichterman and Hickson have have been in the program forever. So yeah, all right. We're hearing a lot about Sichterman lately. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt Sichterman, he is, this is his fifth year in the program. It sounds like he is uh, taking first team snaps and this is still the spring. So anything can happen, but it sounds like he is right now taking first team snaps with the offense in that right guard position where we thought that would be a pretty open position. And I did not foresee him being in that position, but I am not mad about that at all. It's a guy who stuck it out and I'm really excited if he does get the opportunity to start. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Matt. Yeah. And I think, I think the cornerstone names um, are, are going to be Jurgens at center and Corcoran at left tackle. I, those are the guys that are like the cornerstones, I think, you know, cause Corcoran had that, his show off game against Rutgers, but he's only started uh, one game. He's that's what I was going to say. It's only yeah. been one game, only one game he, against he looked, Rutgers. He looked damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Looked damn good. Looked better than the outgoing senior who might get drafted in the freaking NFL draft. And Jurgens, he's another cornerstone name. He's a guy that Frost put at center because he was the next Remington. Yeah. Uh, Usually to start off the season, the snaps aren't good, and then they improve after five or six games. Hopefully we won't have to go through a five or six trial run this year because I don't think Frost can afford, uh, we'll just say five losses, because I think those high snaps have a huge impact on the offense. It kills plays. So let's not have any of those. Well, yeah, it kills plays. It kills rhythm, tempo. It causes more turnovers. I mean, there's and they're unacceptable. This is year three as a starting center in the Big Ten, and you are practicing this position every day. And your first job is to snap the ball. So yeah, that this this should not even be a topic this year, and I, I hope it is not. Yeah, and besides the snapping, which is probably the most important thing for a center, he looks like a pretty good blocker. So it looks like he's got that taken care of. We just got to get the snaps taken care of. Well, and from what I've heard too, is he's like the most athletic and one of the best blockers on the line. I mean, he played tight end. He was a four-star tight end coming out of high school here in in Nebraska. So like, yeah, he's, he's got all the athleticism in the world, but he needs to do the most important job as a center. And that's to give the ball to your quarterback safely and not over his head or at his feet, you know, (laughs) or to his grandma in the stands. It, It doesn't need to be, Throwing around the entire stadium, just give the ball to the quarterback and then do your job. Look, your offensive line could be '90s pipeline, but if you can't snap the ball to your quarterback, it doesn't it's matter. A problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. Okay, um, let's shift to the defense. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, defensive line. Yeah, defensive line, baby. So maybe let's touch on that that practice last week, that scrimmage that they had. Mm-hmm. It sounded like from from the coaches that the defense had their way with the offense. Greg Austin wasn't exactly a happy man after the scrimmage. No, which if we are saying this offensive line is going to be the the best part of this offense and they're getting beat up. I mean, that's a win and a win. It's back to the spring uh, comment that Eric had where it's like, you're playing against yourself. So when you see strides on defense, it's a good sign. But then is that bad for your offense? Who knows? So the defense outperformed the offense in a live scrimmage last week. And does I don't know if that that's a good thing. I think the defensive line was beating them up a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, the defensive line, we've mentioned this many times. You got a lot of experienced guys and younger guys that showed out last year. Casey Rogers. And so that, yep, Ty Robinson, it all fi- it figures to be a strength of the team. And so when I hear the defensive line having their way with the O-line, I'm not like, oh, what? Okay, that's pathetic. Well, it's like, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, the offensive line maybe had a bad day or the defensive line did what they were supposed to do like they did all of last year. I don't want to say all of last year, but a lot of last year. So it's good to hear that they're being consistent on the defensive line. Eric, go. The defense is also the the better coach unit, so I'm not entirely surprised about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't see that being a problem. I think the O-line is going to take a, a big step forward this year, and if our defense is having their way with them, I – I, I like to think that our offensive line is going to be pretty good. And if our defensive line is doing that to our offensive line, it gets me a little excited about our defense and the potential they have. Okay, so let's shift it to the second level. We obviously we don't have JoJo practicing, but we've had some guys fill in for JoJo. Uh, we don't have Will Honus practicing, but we've had guys fill in for Will Honus. We could start with FCS transfer from Northern Iowa, uh, Chris Kalarvik. And I just want to jump right into his comments. I mentioned this earlier. His comments when they when they interviewed him, and he interviews really well, but they asked him, you know, like, what's the difference between the FCS and the FBS level? And he said, honestly, not a lot. He said the speed's about the same. Um, <sighs> does that? I mean, is that a knock on on Nebraska's team? If you're saying, and maybe it's yeah. just maybe his, he has a big ego, or maybe he's one of those guys that's like. We have plenty of athletes at the FCS level. But on the flip side, it's like, is that a knock on your team? You're saying that the guys you're going up against in practice who are are all FBS players that played in the Big Ten are comparable to the competition you play at the FCS level. I I don't know. That's odd. Look, it gives me some comfort. And mind you, just the minimal amount of comfort is that he's only had practices – so he hasn't he hasn't been in a game yet. Uh, I think I'm not going to take too much out of the comments, but it is still kind of funny that he said it. So yeah, just wait till he gets into a game with live bullets, and then we'll see what he thinks. So yeah, let's let's wait for Ohio State to a running back just to light his world up, like Mo Berry elaborated on too. This isn't Montana. <laughs> Look. Let's see how Kohler Evick uh, feels about his comment after they play Oklahoma. But I'll stay on the linebackers. Does JoJo Doman, like, really have to practice? I mean, he's a fifth-year oh. senior. Like, no, he doesn't. Neither does Ben Stilley. No. Or Will Honus. No, but uh, – exactly. But uh, it's good – I like Kohler Evick's addition for this. There, It's good to have some depth at line – at the linebacker spot. First couple of seasons under current staff, it was always uh, the, the three starters and maybe one other guy. Now, you know, we got the three starters. You got Kolarevic. You got the incoming freshman who who I think they're really high on that kid from Jersey, uh, Gabayer or whatever his name is. And then there's Wendon, who's already like 6'3", 230. So he's got the build, so... Yeah, there's the, there's depth. I just don't know how often they're going to change it out. 
Well, I don't, I don't see those younger guys getting in very often. Now, with that being said, I hope the best players play. But I think with Nick Heinrich, Will Honus, Kalarvik, and Luke Reimer, I think that position is in really good hands. And I think we finally have shifted into true athletes at, those, at that inside linebacker position. And we'll, we'll jump in uh, and talk a little bit about the outside, too, because we have two guys that are um, playing behind Joe, Joe, or JoJo with, uh, with the depth uh, finally being there for JoJo because he played damn near every snap on that defense. But I think we're in good hands. Uh, Heinrich being a local kid, once again, back to Scott Frost, in-state recruiting. That was a big kid coming out, had an offer sheet, a huge offer sheet. And, and we landed him, kept him at home. So he's going to show out. Luke Reimer's going to show out. And, yeah, I, I like that inside linebacker position. Yeah, Henrik, uh, he showed out those last few games. He played very well. And it's, it, was very, uh, it was very comforting to see that. So, and the thing with JoJo being out, it could be a positive in that, okay, for one, I don't feel like he really needs to because he's been around the block. Another thing, hopefully it might give a younger guy more snaps, get him more experience. I know that's all very, uh, like, inside baseball, like, oh, this guy got more snaps in practice. Who knows what the effect of that will be, but I think it, it can only be a good thing. So, yeah. Oh. Okay, we just talked inside. Let's go outside. Your boy, Mike. Your boy. Your actual boy. Not the one that you actually don't like. The one that you actually do like. Darius Payne. Yeah, that dude. Uh, he was interviewed last week, and they had talked to him about when he got to Nebraska. And he came in undersized, had to change positions, was still learning how to play outside linebacker. And, and now, obviously, he's going to have a whole spring under him. He's playing fast. He knows the schemes. I'm super excited about a kid like that because I hope he can fill in for the void that we thought Caleb Tanner would be. Caleb Tanner was supposed to be this big pass rusher from Georgia, and just it hasn't panned out. I Maybe he'll have a good year this year, but he really just has – he doesn't have a nose for the football. He's not really a guy that's going to go get the quarterback like we thought he would. So I'm pretty excited for Mr. Payne. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Tanner, yes. Maybe this will be his show out here. 2021, he will live up to, I think he was, you know, a four-star coming in. High expectations out of Georgia, I believe he is from. Yep. Just has not, has not lived up to expectation. Before we say anything else, let's go to DB. The DBs. I like yeah. it. I like I like the experience we got back there. I like the athleticism. I like the potential pro talent back there. And I'm talking about CTB, of course. Ken Taylor Britt. Um, there was a lot of talk before spring. Is he going to come back? Is he a potential draft pick? Um, I think... I think if he would have went out, he would have gotten drafted. I think he would have been uh, maybe fifth round. Fifth or, fifth or sixth round, probably. Fifth or sixth. Yeah, sure. But I, uh, he I think came back. coming back. Yeah. I mean, Potential. he could first, second round kid. I mean, honestly, if he goes all Big Ten and, and you know, capitalizes on this year, I, I don't see why he wouldn't go in, in an early round. 
because he's got all the talent in the world. And you got to remember, yeah. too, is the kid played quarterback in high school. He didn't even play corner until he got to college. And the, the fact that he is – he was second team all Big Ten this year, and there were some really, really good corners in the Big Ten last season. And the fact that he was second um, all Big Ten last season, and he mm-hmm. has an opportunity this year to build off of it with veteran help behind him. Right. And not on the other side of him, but behind him. I, I think he's going to have a good year. And he's probably our best player. Like, overall, probably the best player we have. Scott Frost, best recruit by far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's been my favorite player since he set foot on campus, and he's done nothing except prove me right. He's gotten better each year. and mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I mean, that's another statement for sure. What he said. <laughs> oh, so, other side. Other side. Yeah, go on. Okay. Who, Who's well, leading that one? I think if you're going to be technical, I think Quentin Newsom is probably in the lead right now. Still spring, still – it's not even May yet. But I think Newsom is over Braxton Clark right now. And uh, like I said last week, I'm still pretty bullish on Braxton Clark. I think that length is undeniable. I think barring Braxton being a disaster, I still think he's going to be on the other side of CTB Braxton. So – yeah, um, let's talk about Dismuke. Yeah. Mark let's, talk about, let's talk about uh, Deontay yeah. Williams. Yeah. Yep. The two most – they had that through their eye, through our eyes video. And, uh, they hey, they said all the right things. So – and they're back for their – I think they've been out of rest for a decade now, I think. Yeah, I think Frank Solich coached them. Did Frank Solich coach them? Yeah, I think so. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, man, we miss Coach Frank. They got a wife and kids and a 401k, so <laughs> might as well come back and play some more college football. <laughs> um, I think, look, they're this in all seriousness, this is their sixth year. They s- seem to be uh, the two wise men of the secondary. I think when you look back at some of their play, I think you kind of regarded them as these headhunters, kind of. That yeah, I was about to use that word too. I think they're kind of head like dis- like discipline. Yeah, well, and that's that's why I'm I'm glad to hear that a guy's name that we haven't heard is Noah Pola Gates. He's getting mm-hmm. reps back there, as All is right. Miles Farmer, because we're gonna need them because those guys are headhunters in a way, and and they do get kicked out of games for targeting. So. It's going to be nice to see maybe those four guys, including Isaac Gifford and Javin Wright, maybe in that rotation as well. Um, they're going to need to all play because, as we've seen in the past, they do lack discipline and they like to lead with their head and hit yeah. receivers in the places you're not supposed to hit them. Um, just real quick, now that we touched on the defense, let's touch on special teams. Um, kicker Colt, he proved himself last year. He was not one of the people to blame. He kicked it through the uprights more than he did not. Then we got the punter, Cherney, coming off an injury. Has never – I don't even know if he's ever watched a game of American football in his life, apparently. That's what I heard. He doesn't know how it works. Well, he went to that <laughs> kicking camp, though. So, I mean, he knows what he's doing with the football. He just has to hey, learn the funny. game of football. I did like one comment he said, as they said that he likes to be coached more like a linebacker than a special teams player, which kind of – I thought was pretty cool because he's, I mean, the dude's big. He's pretty built. 
for a kick for a punter. So, yeah, he's an Aussie. He's an Aussie. Yeah, he's an he's Aussie. An Aussie. <laughs> I hope he kicks those crazy uh, sidekick crap, the rugby style stuff. I like that. Anything that won't get blocked. I'm down. <laughs> or housed. Uh, and don't, 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 just don't go backwards. That too. God, Caleb Lightborn. I think no, 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 don't mention names. Yeah, I think, he, I think he still has a job somewhere. Not here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, just announced today. And it's probably good that we are doing this today because it was just announced that they are going to break ground. The university is going to break ground on the new facility on Friday at three o'clock. Yeah. I believe that's when it's going to be. So it's slated to be finished in the year 2023. They were a year behind schedule due to COVID not being able to raise enough money apparently. So it's good to hear that we're, they're going to break ground on this facility. Yeah. Well, and that a big thing about that is, you know, some of these other big 10 schools, they all, everybody has big 10 money now. So all these other big 10 schools are, are upgrading their facilities and Nebraska used to be able to roll in and say, we have the best facilities in America. Well, the times have changed. Everybody has money and everybody's been upgrading and catching up. And so now we were kind of behind. So this new facility is a great thing for the university. It's going to be great for recruiting. And if we win a couple games, it's going to be really nice for Scott Frost to be able to show off those nice facilities when he's recruiting kids to come here. Yes, sir. When you have schools like Northwestern arguably passing you in the facilities race, it's time to up the ante. Yep. And that's, that um, is where yeah. Bill Moose has done his job. He's done a great job at two things. Hiring the right guys for the job, even though some have panned out, but he's hired the right guys for the job. And he knew when he came in here that things were going to have to change as far as that went. And he is rebuilding facilities. So I'm, I'm all for it. He just needs to maybe keep quiet a little bit on some of the stuff, but that's okay. Well, yeah, he did say today that he at eight or nine wins for the, varsity football team at the university of nebraska coached by scott frost who hasn't gone above 500 in his whole nebraska tenure eight or nine wins is perfectly attainable i mean eight or nine wins is doable but that is a lot of pressure on your head coach if you're throwing numbers out in april this is april and you're saying that you expect this team to win eight or nine games why are you doing that look he was he was probably asked the question what's a reasonable number of wins you can expect. Uh, why are you taking the bait? How long have you been an AD, bro? Right. It's, it's not even May, man. Just say bowl game, bowl game. Why do you have to put, why do you have to say eight or nine? Come on, man. Anyway, it's just a dumb thing. I'm, let's, t- let's touch on Nebraska baseball. <laughs> hey, hey, let's go, man. Like, Top 25, finally, and basically every meaningful college baseball poll. Finally. They won the series. They won a rather ugly series in East Lansing, taking two of three from Michigan State. That catch, though, was sweet. Hey, man. That that defense showed up at the end. Yeah. Thank God. The play at the plate. Oh, my God. That was was fun to watch. I'm glad it was finally on normal TV. Like, a lot of Nebraska fans – actually got to watch 
baseball this weekend and actually see probably the Huskers for the first time because Dude, they've been on BTM plus. It's good to see um, D1 baseball.com projecting Nebraska as a possible host site. I mean, God, can you imagine? Wouldn't that be market? awesome? And maybe, Ooh. maybe full capacity. I doubt it, but maybe with, uh, uh, all NCAA events, I think you're 50%, so I think it'd be 50. We want to touch on Nebraska volleyball really quick. We did a send-off on our last one that didn't happen, but Nebraska volleyball, they unfortunately lost to the freaking Texas Longhorns. They had a nice season. I mean, good job to Nebraska volleyball, and I'm very, very, very happy that Texas lost to Kentucky in the national championship. So Thank God. Tuck Texas. <laughs> All right, so we touched on spring football, spring game coming up. Talked about how Nebraska baseball, bolt ball is doing their thing. Talked about the unfortunate end for volleyball to Texas. Is there anything else you guys need to touch on? I don't think so. I just, I'm just excited that the fans will get an opportunity to, to watch Nebraska during the spring game this weekend. And, yeah, I mean, after spring, you know, once spring game happens, you know, we're kind of in the dark for the next few months. It's kind of a, a tough time around here. So we'll continue to keep keep things fresh around here. We're going to have a couple more former players that are going to be coming on. So we just appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, guys, and keep listening on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If it's possible to rate us and subscribe, please do so. We need those five-star ratings. And please subscribe to us on Twitter, at NBNR Podcast. And on Instagram. Um, oh, yeah, we are on Instagram. That's we are right. on Instagram. So if you guys have an Instagram, please give us a follow. Uh, we are going to be posting some fun stuff. We'll, uh, as we get more guests on here, we're going to do some fun stuff, uh, with some never-before-seen clips of us recording with former players. So it'll be a, an enjoyable site for you guys to see. Our ugly mugs are going to be plastered all over that website. Yeah. (laughs) Let's sign off with that being said. I am one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And I'm Eric Morrow. And as always, horns down and GBR.